Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm Dr. James Smith Jr. and welcome to another edition of the Dr. James Show. And each week I come on and say, I can't wait to get to our guest. I can't wait for this show to start. It's the same again this week, particularly because our guest, Michael Sherlock, is in my industry. She's a speaker, she's an author, and I can't wait for her to share her story and share her wisdom, share her power, share her creativity. I met Michael a couple of years ago and I met her on the dance floor. We were at an NSA convention and we were into the black tie affair and afterwards get a chance to dance and network and Michael and I met there. But let me give you a little bit about who Michael is. Uh, Michael Sherlock is a writer, speaker, podcast host with expertise in business, leadership, sales, and the customer experience. She leads Shock Your Potential, a Philadelphia-based training organization that provides corporations and business leaders with engaging presentations and actionable strategies on leadership, employee development, customer experience, and sales transformation. And my, my dance partner, who I met several years ago, who I found out while we were on the dance floor, that she lived in Philly and had just joined the National Speakers Association of Philadelphia chapter, has been uh, my life ever since. And we've been doing some pretty, pretty good work together. But before we bring Michael out, it's time for some alumni love. Hey, it's Dr. James here, and welcome back to another segment of Alumni Love. We're here with the president, CEO, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, the Philadelphia, New Jersey area, Mr. Marcus Allen, who is doing something big right now. Marcus, alumni, what's up, bro? As a part of our 105-year anniversary, myself and three Big Brothers, Big Sisters supporters, when we were taking a 3,700-mile bike ride from San Francisco to Atlantic City. Our goal is to raise $105,000 and get 105 people to become bigs to signify 105 years of doing this work. We want to raise awareness for the importance of one-to-one -one quality mentoring that keeps kids safe and helps them, empowers kids and helps them to become their better versions of themselves. And so the ways that people can get involved, if they want to sign up to be a big, they can go to independencebigs.org and, and, and click on be a big or they can simply go to our webpage and give, which is awesome. They also can give by texting MILES, M-I-L-E-S, to 76278. It costs us $1,500 to serve a kid each year. We have over 750 kids on the waiting list. And our goal with this bike ride is to raise awareness about the need to take kids off the waiting list. That's awesome. Now, I know you're 6768, man of steel, but have there been any war wounds along the way? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, you don't do something like this without there being pain. As we go through this bike ride and as we're traversing hills and mountains and going through the salt flats and going through extreme temperature, 108 degrees yesterday, it's a symbol of life. I'm hoping to inspire kids and others to to persevere, to understand that sometimes you have to go through tough things, you have to go through pain to complete journeys. There's gonna be a story behind each oh, yeah. injury, oh, yeah. <laughs> as you can imagine. 
big brothers, big sisters, proud of you. We're proud of you. We're going to raise that money, and we can't Thank wait you, to get back. Thank you. I can't wait to see you guys when I get back on July 23rd, having a big party in Atlantic City, trying to conclude it at the Hard Rock Hotel. So more to come on that. And Jim, I, I hope to see your face in the place, my brother. There, I'm there. All right, thank you, Marcus Allen. Thank you, big brothers, big sisters. And talking about or considering face in the place, Michael Sherlock, I wanna see your face in the place. Welcome to the Dr. James Show. How are you, my friend? I'm doing so well, my friend. It's so good to see you as well. It's good to see you now. Listen, I read your bio. I read the LinkedIn stuff, what you sent out to people. But tell us what's not on that bio, what's not on your Facebook page. Who is Michael Sherlock? Oh, boy. You know, if I told you that, I'd have to uh, come out of my secret service work. You know, I'm also an international spy. <laughs> but you're a writer. You author two books. You're a speaker global international company. You are a, a VP to major medical device organizations. And you've done a lot. Tell us about you. I have, you know, whenever somebody reads your bio, you know, you listen to it and you're like, wow, who did all that stuff? Like, who is that person? But it's interesting. I'm going to answer your question a little differently because, you know, there's a time when you answer that question when you are in corporate America or you're in the, you know, the nonprofit world with, you know, big brothers, big sisters, you know, that was a great lead in from Marcus Allen. But, you know, there's one way you kind of answer that question when you are working for someone else. And then there's another way you answer it when you're a business owner. And one of the things that I know is that last year after the pandemic turned all of our lives upside down, I actually kind of went back to the drawing board and said, okay, well, who am I now? Ooh. Because I knew how to say when I was a VP of sales and I was responsible for $100 million and 500 people, I knew how to answer that question. Um, when I was first out in you know, I'm business on my own and say, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a speaker, I'm a trainer, I deal with leadership and sales and customer experience. But when all of that went away, seemingly overnight, there was this huge question of, well, who am I now? Who am I if I'm not getting on an airplane every week to travel somewhere in the world to speak and train? You know, who am I if all I'm doing is virtual presentations, but I know my passion and, and a lot of my talent is in motivating a room, you know, with up to thousands of people? Like, who am I? And it's interesting because, uh, like I say to a lot of people, when that first wave hit, meaning wave of, oh my gosh, everything's canceling. I, I kind of curled up into a ball, into the fetal Ooh. position. And I, you know, sucked my thumb and went, okay. But I liked that person. Yeah. I liked where that person was going. Who am I now? And I think I've spent the last year and a half reinventing who I am and where I'm going and asking myself, you know, how, not only just how does my business manage through this, but who am I in this process? Michael, what did it require? I'm thinking for me, being more vulnerable, um, being more open, um, not wanting to control everything, but in a way having it come to me, just embracing the uncertainty and ambiguity. What was it for you? Well, first of all, it was me just being honest. To that point, I had built my business on one element and that was me. And I knew that wasn't what I wanted to do. <clears throat> I knew that I needed more, you know, income streams, you know, multiple channels, whatever way you want to describe it. I knew that. 
but I was being fed so regularly by that time. <clears throat> and pardon me, I got a little choked up. Um, I was being fed we so regularly. We're just getting started. <laughs> you know, I was being fed so regularly that I wasn't hungry for mm. other things. And that's the way I like to describe it is that, you know, I wasn't hungry. So I didn't go and seek other areas because that was feeding me um, very consistently then. And, it, you know, I'd worked hard to get to that point. So the first thing is I had to go through, you know, these stages of grief and anger and denial until I reached acceptance to say, okay. Um, so your business is not going to look the same. It shouldn't, you know what? It shouldn't have been. So let's take some responsibility with it. And then I was to your point, very open and I was vulnerable and I put out, I remember I put out a, a post on LinkedIn where I have like almost 19,000 followers. And I said, nice, here's, nice. here's what happened when my business lost hundred percent of its income overnight. And I had people calling me literally saying, I can't believe you just said that out loud. You know, aren't you afraid that people aren't going to think that, you know, you've got it together. And I said, why would I lie? Why would I lie about where I am? It's so helpful and freeing to be honest. Um, it's a little terrifying, but it was really good because then people started to talk to me in different ways. Mm -hmm. And it made me take a look at, you know, who were my followers and who were the people buying what I sold, whether it's my books or, you know, my speaking or training and evaluate it differently and say, you know, what do people need from me now? And what do I need to give and deliver? And in that sense, I think that it just turned, turned my focus then to really adapting my business to make better choices for the future so that it's not a hundred percent dependent on me. And that it is definitely more pandemic proof. So <laughs> if I never have to get on an airplane again, I don't have to, but I can, if I choose to. We, we both are pandemic proof and virus protected now, right? Yes. When, when you were talking just now, it, it made me think that you and I both went for me, it was six months, six, seven months without any billable billables coming in. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking, I was thinking, the person who works nine to five or eight to late who has that regular job, could they go six, seven months without any income? Mm. And if they were, would they be smiling? Would they be frustrated? Would they say, okay, I have to change what I do? It, mm -hmm. it hit me differently the way you framed it just now. Well, and it, and it was really hard. And I'm very, very fortunate because, um, you know, my husband and I took stock of everything and said, okay, so what happens now? You know, we've spent the, these years building the business up to where it was. And now it's back to like day one. Hey, I decided to hang out my shingle. And so fortunately, you know, we were in a good place. And my husband said, let's keep it going. And actually I did something very unique um, at the beginning tell, of the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, this is, you want to take about taking risks. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I had two uh, virtual employees. They're both, uh, they, at that time, just those two were based out of Kenya. Mm. And so I said, okay, what am I going to do? And I actually doubled down and I increased my team. So I actually have eight today and probably uh, 10 within the next week. Cause we're, we're trying some two new people out. And I just said, let's take care of all the aspects of building my business that I didn't have time for before, because I was being fed. And I was distracted by the speaking and training and let's build those elements of the business out so that they are sustainable. And so we made the conscious decision to, you know, increase my team like fourfold. And that was, it's terrifying when you're, you know, responsible for that many people's paychecks and their livelihood. 
but it made all the difference to my business. Mm. And so as I built that out and things started happening, I still to this day, Jim, have not, um, I still have not a pay, had a paid speaking gig since a year ago, March, but I've built other elements of my business. And that's where now things are happening. As I looked at, you know, how, how do I, pandemic proof myself? How do I, how do I get myself to be able to retire or maybe sell parts of my business so that it's not just, oh, Michael's going to close down the shutter. That's when I said, it's time to take those steps that are really, really critical. Scalability, scalability, scalability. Mm -hmm. There's a question in the chat room. And for those of you who have not done it yet, please feel free to share your questions and your thoughts. Michael will jump on them immediately. First Mm -hmm. question is, what were your first steps after you lost 100% of your income overnight? How would you give advice to someone dealing with something like this? The first steps toward pivoting, towards rebounding, and what advice would you give to, I guess, other speakers, other mm-hmm. entrepreneurs? Because life is going to happen again. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, and let me just preface this by saying, I always knew there were things that I wanted to do with my business. Like I wanted to create an app. So after I was on the stage that I could say, Hey, follow me here. And I could concretely see how to keep my audience. But, but I didn't do those things. I think you heard me say it. Honestly, the first thing I did was cry. I mean, I did. I cried. I, I spent one day entirely in bed texting my publisher saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know if this is going to make it. And, you know, finally, after listening to me and helping me, you know, kind of get everything out, then she's, then she kicked me in the, in the rear end. And she said, knock it off, girlfriend. Put on those big girl panties, right? (laughs) Put on your big girl pants and let's get this thing going. And I needed that. I call those my truth speakers. And I have three of them. I have three people in my life that I call my truth speakers. And they're the ones that will tell me the unvarnished truth, but they'll tell it to me with love. And I know that's when I come to them. I mean, that's why I went to her that day. Um, But really in terms of somebody else being in the step, I was very fortunate that my husband and I could handle this gap. Um, So my advice is even right now is sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Cause if you, if you don't have that benefit and you got to bring in a paycheck, man, I would have gone and waited tables again, or, you know, I'm, I'd be happy to do anything if I needed to put food on the table. I'm just very fortunate that I didn't have to, but I'll tell you what I'm doing now is I'm building different buffers. And that's why we have, we've narrowed it down. We've got different income streams of what we're doing. Um, Somewhere in there, I also started a second business, but, um, but with all these steps in place, to me, there, somebody's referred to it in my past as multiple points of failure is that when you are flush or when you're not at least, you know, um, panicked about where you are financially, build as many points of possible failure. So in other words, it takes 10 points of failure before you collapse. But when I had one income stream that was me, I mean, I got the books, but the books are like nine, you know, 1%. So 99 was me, you know, then you've got to build those things out when you have the time. And I just decided to take that time and say, okay, I can't, I can't speak the way I want to. I can't get on an airplane right now. I'm going to go, I'm going to do something else so that this will never happen again. That's awesome. It's awesome. As you were answering that question, I thought about what were some of the first things I did. And I said to myself, I have to position myself, not only to to generate some income, but to generate content. 
That yeah. would have been waiting tables. That would have been a bartender. That would have been driving a shuttle. And that shuttle would have been the most rocking shuttle. I would have been motivating people back and yes. forth. But I, where could I go to get some content? Speaking yeah. of content, Michael, you've done a lot in a short period of time. <laughs> Complete this sentence. If it wasn't, if it were not for a blank, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. If it were not for a person, a situation, an experience, you can fill in the blank. But if it were not for blank, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here today. I have, I have three things that come to my mind. I'll try and make two of them very short. The first one was in the sixth grade, we had a brand new school built and I got picked as one of two people to receive the key to the new school. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, I mean, I, the teachers love me. I was a suck up. I mean, let's just be honest. And, uh, <laughs> but I remember that was the first time I stood, you know, we had 600 kids in our school Ooh. and I remember being on stage and the media was there and they're taping everything. And I, I remember that feeling of, I like this. I like this. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't nervous. I loved it. So the speaker part of me is there. The second part would be in high school. Then I did drama. I did singing. So I was on stage all the time. That's when I learned to craft, you know, those interactions. But my, my most pivotal point, I think was being 16 years old. I was hired. This was my first job where, you know, FICA I took, you know, a part of your check and I had to know who that FICA was. I'm like, who is this person? Darn them. Um, <laughs> but I was hired as a gift wrapper at a jewelry store in my hometown. And I went in um, and I, I just was fascinated by what we did and what we sold and the products. And I, I would take home brochures on gemstones and on Rolexes and Yadro porcelain. And I loved reading about them and learning about them. And one day it was very slow and it wasn't a, it did the people that jewelry store did not work on commission. So you just got an hourly rate, uh, wage. And I remember it was just one myself and one other person. It was a very slow night. And we were talking about, you know, what I'd learned. And I was so excited because I really was asking her a lot of questions about diamonds and somebody, a man came in and uh, the gal, she handed me the, you know, like the little scrunchy thing on your wrist with the key and said, go, go ask him, you know, go, go greet him. And I am 16 years old, but I dressed the part and I'm, you know, a fancy high-end jewelry store. So I walked over and I said, hi, what are you looking for today? And he said, well, I'm looking for an engagement ring. And I said, well, let's talk about it. And I just asked him questions. What are you looking for? What kind of gold? What kind, what do you want to spend? And nobody had taught me to do this. I just did it. I just thought he came in to buy a ring. Let's find out what kind of ring he wants. Mm -hmm. And I sold him a ring. It was like $950. In we don't need to go what decade that was, but <laughs> I remember afterward going, wow, that was really easy. That was so easy because all I did was ask him questions until the point he said, okay, I'll take that one. And after that, my manager found out what happened and I thought I was going to be in trouble, but he's like, wait, how did you wait? What you did? What? He goes, well, then forget it. You're not a gift wrapper anymore. And from that point in time, I worked there all through high school and college and I was, I just learned so much about all you really have to do to succeed in business and leadership and sales and customer experience and speaking, training, ma managing people is communicate. Mm. Phenomenal. Be curious Phenomenal. because when you have those things, you can achieve anything. Be curious and communicate. 
Yeah. That leads me to another question. We gauge our viewers and our podcast listeners. What do you want from us? What type of topics? What do you want to hear? And time and time again, we heard networking, networking, networking. Well, we just happen to have a networking guru on today. And with regard to networking, I was always taught, have that great 30-second speech, that that elevator pitch. Is that still true? Was it ever true? But people are always working on their elevator. What are your thoughts, Mike? I'm so anti-elevator pitch. (laughs) (laughs) I am so anti-elevator pitch because you make it all about you. You know, and, and, this, and I always struggle with it. Cause they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I don't know. How do I explain if I'm a speaker, an author, I'm a writer. I'm like, I don't know. I do. I deal with sales and leadership and people are like, what do you mean? And I've had other people say, oh, I make companies like, you know, you look better because you know, whatever. And I'm like, those are great answers. I just don't think of them, but I feel like we are so focused always on trying to make sure people know what we do that we don't build a relationship. And to me, networking has to be about relationships. Mm. And it's really interesting because I wrote in my, or I did my morning motivation video yesterday. So every uh, Monday and Friday, we put out on our YouTube channel, a, a morning motivation. And I and put what's this all YouTube, on. What's your YouTube channel so they can go oh, check Oh, shock your potential. Look for shock your potential. And by the way, we're almost to 500. So if all your people would subscribe, we've got nine more to go or <laughs> seven more to go to hit 500. I'd really like that today, please. That'd be a great Done. gift. Done. Um, but I did my, um, oh, there we go. I did my, um, I did this thing on, you know, how do you close sales? You build more sales by building relationships, not by pitching. And so many people think network is about pitching and it's not about pitching. It's about finding out whether there's opportunity. And to this whole point, I I did a little, I did go off on a little rant about how many people on LinkedIn are constantly like pitching me. They don't know my business. They don't, they don't know what, what, you know, whether or not it's going to make a difference to my business. And I got this one guy who had pitched me like six times in a row. And finally yesterday he did it again. And I said, would you just watch my video? And he hasn't responded to that. <laughs> but I think networking network is, is only valid when you do have a relationship because networking shouldn't just be to get business at the moment. It should build the opportunity, a bridge to future business. It should build a bridge to referrals. It should be, you know, a bridge to invite people on your podcast. And when you do those things, you create synergy that that opens up the potential for sales. So, I mean, do I like the elevator pitch? No, I really don't. I don't. I'd rather ask somebody, let me tell you what, I'll tell you what I do, but tell me about you first. And then we see whether or not there's a potential to work together, to help, to support, to engage. And where, where it works, it will come a lot more naturally when we actually try to build a relationship. So if our mindset is like that, it's not merely finding out how you can help me. Mm-hmm. It's uncovering how I can help you, how we can collaborate, what possibilities mm-hmm. can we create together? How could we polish each other? Yes, I, I, lo- I love the way you think about that because it's always go there, network, go yeah. get that job, go meet that person who's going to help you. Go there to serve, go there to give. 
And I think if you'll allow me just to give a little commercial for one of our other fellow um, Pyramid Club members, uh, Bryn Tillman with Social Sales uh, Link is amazing um, uh, advocate for doing business on LinkedIn. She's phenomenal. She has, you know, given me a little, you know, pointers here and there. We've networked, we've interacted for a long time. I've sent a lot of people her way. And finally, I actually have one of my team going through her, her um, monthly coaching program, because I know it's that valuable. And my team member needed to have some more guidance on terms of how to network on LinkedIn. But Bryn's thing is, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to have build a relationship, but I'm not going to ask you for business, but I know, I know in her mind, she's thinking, but I'm valuable enough that you will send me business. And that's exactly it is that she's that valuable. But when she does webinars and things, she'll say right, right up front, look, you know, this is a free webinar. I'm going to give you as much information as I can in the first 45 minutes. But if you will please allow me at the end, I'm going to pitch you what our services are. And so she's so clear about it. It's, there's no guessing. There's no trying to like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm going to give you just a little bit more. She really just says, honestly, I'm going to give you content for 45 minutes and then please stay and let me pitch you. Whether or not you use us or not, that will just help me to be better. And those that type of honesty builds such strong authenticity That's and it. that you know you want to have a relationship with somebody like that. That's authentic expression at its yes. best. Yes. At our upcoming conference, NSA, in, in uh, July 12th, I'm going to be speaking on the pursuit of radical authenticity and how it can help us as speakers and other people be better at what we do. Yes. Thank you very much. Uh, Michael, another question with regard to networking. Yes. What's the impact of personal branding when it comes to networking? Hmm, let's see if I can answer that question for a moment. <laughs> the impact of personal, what impact does personal branding play when it comes to networking? And then we're going to get into your brand because mm -hmm. your brand says, I'm Michael Sherlock and I love who I am and what I do. And I make no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> um, branding is absolutely critical. And I speak on personal branding quite a bit. And I talk about it through what I call my shock, shock your potential. So the letters of the S-H-O-C-K. Um, and I'll, I'll just cover, I can touch on all of them really um, quickly, but the very most important one in branding is the S, which is stand out. How do you stand out? We live in a crowded marketplace of speakers, trainers, entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals trying to gain new jobs. All of us have to stand out in some way. And I don't just mean like colorful hair. But I'm telling you, this, this works for me. This helps me. There's, it's not the only reason I do it. There's a lot more to the story. But um, how you stand out is important because if you are going to um, get business, get a new job, you, know, you, you have to stand out from very stiff competition with lots of people around you. So personal branding is being very conscientious of what words do people use about you when you're not in the room? And if you don't know the answer to that question, then you're not controlling the dialogue. And I don't mean what are they gossiping about you behind your back, but in a way I am, but what words? And if you don't know, then, then you need to work on your brand. But if you're confident that they say, you know, she's funny, she's engaging, she knows her stuff, but she makes it relatable. Um, I know I can ask her anything and she'll tackle any question. That's when you know that your branding is solid because it's based on the words you want used about you when you're not in the room.
Well, your branding is certainly solid. Uh, you hang out with some pretty powerful people. We've done our research. Uh, GMA, what? You're good friends with the folks at GMA? Let's <laughs> let's show a picture to our audience, our <laughs> podcast listeners. Good uh, close your eyes and imagine Michael Sherlock on the set of Good Morning America and the people she tends to play with. <laughs> Talk to us about that, Michael. Oh, I've been so fortunate. Um, Robin Roberts and I follow each other on Twitter and it, it's kind of a, it's a long story about how it happened, but I can't wait to get back in there. I'm actually going to go back and I know they won't have an audience for a while, but I'm going to go out and, you know, be outside uh, the studio watching here in a few weeks. But I've had the great opportunity to have Robin actually bring me up on stage a couple of times in the middle of Good Morning America. Oh, I'll wow. tell you what, too. People, you Michael play Str with Michael? <laughs> I know. Michael Strahan gives the best hugs. I'm just... Uh, I just gonna, in fact, my husband said that too, cause he got to meet everybody once. And he's like, Michael Strahan gives the best hugs. I'm like, I told you, I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you were talking to us about Robin and following each other on Twitter and one thing mm -hmm. led to the next. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. Um, and I know I know now several of the people that are involved with Good Morning America. I haven't turned it into my own uh, you know, spot yet. Um, working on it though. So uh, we were a little, in better shape of that before the pandemic hit. Um, so hopefully that will be something that we can talk about in the future, so. I believe, I believe we will be. <laughs> and, and Michael, you mentioned your, your podcast. I want you to talk more about your podcast, how often it comes on, where can we go to hear you because we wanna to continue to shock people. <laughs> oh, and this is such a great gal, Kelly Hogan. Actually, we're doing some really interesting things with her right now. She's um, a fitness trainer and works virtually with people. And uh, so I'm actually in the, I'm almost done with uh, 24 weeks of working with her. So we've been uh, documenting my weight loss, my fitness uh, and everything. She's phenomenal. But the podcast, I actually took, and we're in year four. I actually took one complete year off of the podcast. And uh, that was because I wasn't sure how it was serving me and my business. So we took a year off, we revamped uh, the beginning of the um, pandemic. I, we just kind of threw everything apart and said, where do we go from here? And we relaunched it officially in May of 2020. And now we are, we do five day a week shows that are all wow. brand new. Yeah. Lot, so I take content. It's a lot of yeah. content. And it's a lot, a lot of, of content. And a we, lot of heavy lifting to get people there. Oh my gosh, it is. Um, and actually we are completely booked for the entire year of 2021. We have a waiting list for people for 2022. So mm -hmm. we're doing something right. Uh, I'm not sure what it is sometimes. And you can follow us if you just go to my website, shockyourpotential.com, the podcast is there. So right now it's just kind of in order, but um, you can, uh, very soon we will have it listed by topic. So if you want to, um, and we do monthly themes. So this month in June is called Pack Your Bags. So I want to get people excited about traveling the world again. But most of the time we're focused towards entrepreneurs, small business owners, and helping them with the tools and resources that are going to help them build and, and uh, really scale their businesses. Michael, great segue to our next question. It says, after the experiences of the last year and a half, what advice do you have for aspiring entrepreneurs in terms of building businesses that are both pandemic and recession proof? So another question is seeking advice for entrepreneurs. Your thoughts? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, being an entrepreneur is really hard it, without a doubt. And um, one of the things that, um, that I've learned over time is for all my experience at the almost, you know, at the C-suite level, you know, as a C senior VP of sales and VP of sales, you know, at that high level, none of it, I, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I've owned my own business several times. This is the, I have two right now. So these iterations are probably the best of myself, but they're still not the level I'd like them to be. And so, um, you know, my first advice is don't have your spouse or your significant other be your business partner. And why do I say that? Because uh, you want to stay married. If you don't, then go ahead. Do it. I, you know, and I know there's, I have some really great friends who are both speakers, for instance, who deal in meditation and mindfulness, and they do a great job at being married. Me, that wouldn't work because my husband's very analytical. I am not. Um, so uh, when you don't have that, every, every leader needs a leader. And so my next advice, and I finally engaged this, I finally found the right um, person for me and the right um, coaching methodology for me, because we're all very unique. And I found somebody that deals with uh, people who are considered highly, um, uh, highly sensitive. And I don't mean like sensitive, like you get your feelings hurt. I mean, right. like you have a highly uh, advanced sensory processing um, system and, uh, and so I found the right person, the right, the right business, the right coaching model for me. And I think it's really important that I know it's another investment. And sometimes as an entrepreneur, especially when you're starting out, you're saying, I can't invest in something else um, because I'm not making enough money or I'm not making any money. But if you want to grow and be successful, you need somebody outside of you to give you that advice mm -hmm. and to hold your hand. And it's just like me working with a fitness coach. I know I shouldn't be eating donuts at midnight. I don't do that anyway. But I know I shouldn't be eating candy that I'm going to tell you is in that drawer of that, that thing over there. I still do it until I have somebody say, Michael, knock it off for the next few weeks. This is what you're going to eat. And so I follow it. <laughs> exactly. And uh, I think it's really important. Um, so to become recession proof or pandemic proof, though, means that you have to be constantly questioning what are we doing? It is it in the right way? Are we reviewing it? You don't just start out and go. You have to have, you know, weekly and monthly targets in order to hit quarterly and annual targets. And often you can't hold yourself to accountable to those numbers unless somebody else knows what's going on. So therein brings my two truth speakers, the people I trust, a mastermind. It doesn't have to be a coach, but I think coaches are a really smart way to go. I didn't always believe that. I really didn't. I used to, the first time, you know, life and business coaching people came out, the first person I knew who did it, I was like, I love you as a person. I would never <laughs> trust you with my business or my life like that. Right. <laughs> Not, but now um, with so many people really excelling in this art, I think it's so, uh, so important and it makes all the difference in your business. It can, it can. Michael, there's a question there about sales. Before we ask the question, doing our research, we saw a clip of you uh, sharing a story with someone close to you having an epiphany about what sales really is. I want to show a minute, minute of that clip and then we'll ask the question. You can add more to your story. Let's take a look. You shall go unnamed at this point in time. Uh, made a comment to me uh, last week, which I had to laugh about. She said something to the effect of, you know, I've always hated sales. And I realized that after more than a year and a half with this company, um, I'm in sales. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you really are. 
that actually might narrow it down to who it might be because there's only a couple have been with me that long. But um, the funny thing is, as you said, you know what, now I realize I actually don't hate it anymore. I realize that it's not what I thought it was. I thought sales was something dirty or something that, you know, was about trying to get somebody to buy something they didn't want. And she said, I realize it's just about relationships and making sure you're making connections that make sense. (laughs) Keep it going. Keep it going. Great story. And then we'll ask the question that's out there. Yeah, I think the the critical point is if you go back to that story I told you about, you know, going from gift wrapper to a jewelry salesperson at 16, one of the questions that I asked that gentleman was, are you ready to buy a ring today or are you just starting to look? I didn't think about why I asked that question. Now I do now, I you know, because it's an important qualifier. And I think so many times people are afraid to just ask clear questions. But when you have clear questions, you reduce anxiety on both the salesperson and the person buying. So if you say, so tell me, I mean, is this something that you're ready to move forward with today? Are you looking for the future? Just trying to get ideas? Then people will say, you know, I'm just shopping around. Okay, that's fine. So let me tell you what we have so that you can make some choices. Because if it's a person who says, I'm just shopping around because they don't really want to say it yet. If you make it so comfortable for them, by the time they get done, they'll say, okay, I'm ready today. You know, people will tell you what they want. Just listen to it and respect it. It's that simple. It's about relationships. So when I take it to, you know, the the um, uh, the gentleman who had, was uh, messaging me on, on LinkedIn yesterday and he said, finally, I mean, after all these messages, I finally said, thank you. I'm not interested at this time. And he said, thank you for for letting me know. And then two minutes later, he said, when do you think I should follow up? And that's when I'm like, dude, watch my video because I can't. I don't know how to rudely say, please leave me alone, because if I don't know anything about you or your business, I'm not going to give you 15 minutes of your my time. And so many people say, can I just have 15 minutes of your time? If I gave 15 minutes time to, if I gave five minutes time to everybody who pitched me every week um, without knowing anything about me, I'd never get anything else done. And that's when sales becomes dirty. And that's what we have to avoid. And that's from the individual perspective. How about organizational that's what the question in the chat room is about. More thoughts about what a company should know about building more sales. Okay, great question. So, and I do this all the time. I had um, actually a very large, like one of the world's largest dental uh, companies. They create all things with dental practices. And I spoke to them. And actually, now that I look back at it, I think I had COVID then. So it was like in January of 2020. I had no idea what COVID was at that point in time, but man, did I get sick. That's a side note. Um, But I was speaking to 150 of their sales managers. And So we were talking about how do you motivate your team when you have targets that are very high and you have high expectations. Okay, so they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can have very high targets, very high expectations, and you can expect great things from your team, but you can't expect them to just go do it. You have to, as an organization, say, this is what we have found is effective. This is how you build a relationship. This is why it's important to build the relationship, but this is how to speed up the relationship. Because sometimes you can have people that get so good at building the relationship, they never ask for the business. They don't ask for the close. And so that's the destructive balance. That's the teeter-totter. And so let me give you another example that I was just talking about. I think I might've talked about it in that video clip. Um, But uh, 
you know, in the, in the pharmaceutical industry, let's use this as an example. I spent many years in the pharmaceutical industry and I have some friends that are still in it. So prior to a pandemic, the biggest challenge for a pharmaceutical rep is getting actual time with a doctor. Why? Access, because access. they show up on their schedule. They don't show up on the doctor's schedule. They show up on their schedule and they want to be seen in the middle of a day or they're relegated to bringing lunch and you're hoping to catch that doctor to get a signature. It feels really bad. It is not a great place to be as a sales rep when you're trying to have engaging conversations, but you're just, you know, time you're, you're popping in. They don't care about you then. And you haven't built a relationship to get that time. Now, a couple of things that I did well when I was in pharmaceutical sales was be able to get to the point to say, Dr. Jim, I got to tell you, I brought you to, I brought you lunch 17 times. And here's what I know. You're still not prescribing my drug. <laughs> tell me why. And I, I was able to get to that level of discussion with people. But what happened during the pandemic is pharmaceutical companies started scheduling Zoom meetings with physicians. So now it's scheduled on their time, what works for them. And they didn't want to waste the time. So if they said, I'll give you a 15 minute Zoom meeting, they actually were asking questions about the drugs. Now what's happening is the companies are saying, okay, everything's all good. Let's start going back into the offices. Wow. What an opportunity for learning. We just lost. We just lost that. I think that industry is going to be disrupted real soon. Mm-hmm. Real soon. That's a show for another day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what you're saying so, is spectacular. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that helps the question. I didn't read the question, but it really has to be about being um, upfront and understanding and then training your people about what it means and how to build relationships and leverage those appropriately when the time comes for your industry. And I also heard candor. I heard being uh, perceptive. I heard int- intuition. And I heard courage and confidence and and not waiting for something to happen and not following the same pattern, changing it up. Was that ever you where you were about to give up? Something Mm -hmm. was not working and you gave them all of Michael, gave the organization all of Michael, gave the relationship all of Michael. Has that ever happened? And, And what did you do? I think that's happened more times than I can count. And really that day that I explained to you that I was, you know, talking to my publisher, my book publisher, and I was just, I was like, this is ridiculous. In fact, uh, God love my mother. Uh, She just turned 89 years old. She said to me more than once in the last year, why don't you just give this all up and quit playing around with this stuff and just become a housewife? (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, we have no children at home and I don't think I'm just going to walk around, you know, cleaning house all day. That's just not going to work for me, but I've almost given up many, many times. And there are things that, um, have been too much. I have, uh, I'm a, a person who has, uh, dealt with and battled depression, uh, my whole life. And that, uh, with the anxiety, um, can be really overwhelming at times, just incredibly overwhelming, which is actually why I chose the business coaching program that I did. Because when I talk about a, a highly sensitive um, central nervous system, it's actually part of the way my body and my brain works. And I've learned how to deal with that part of my psyche, my emotional, my you know, uh, mood issues um, over time. But it also tells me that I need to have a coach that understands that unique part of me. Because if I got a coach that's like, come on, 
on, let's go. You can do this. Let's, let's drive. Let's put in 16 hours. Like that's not going to work for me. But for other people, that could be the perfect person, you know? So you've got to find the right, the right mix for that. And, and I think that that was, you know, when it's really down to the, you know, wire where you're like, I just don't think I can go on. I like to reflect then because sometimes the universe is telling you that it's time to let something go. And when you decide to let that go, but you've really reflected and you've made a conscious decision, it should feel really good. So there are times that we need to say, "Mm, I've given it all I can. There's nothing more and feel okay about that and move on. Even if it's a loss and gosh knows, I can't imagine how many business owners, so many restaurateurs, so many small business owners in the last year and a half have lost their dream because they couldn't keep it going. Those are the people that I know hurt the most, but sometimes it's okay. And then you've got to rebuild some new walls and a new foundation to keep yourself, you know, buoyant through that, that time of loss. It ties into the next question we have in the chat room. It says, what was the influence or thing that caused you to desire to keep going after your passion? What was the influence or thing that caused Michael Sherlock to maintain her desire to keep going after your passion? You know, it's a really odd thing, but I, so I told you that my team is all from Kenya. And um, so actually we have had such great success that I've had so many people say, well, how can I get someone like Josie, your podcast manager, or Lorna, your marketing director, or Victor, your website director, manager. And finally, I, I realized we have another opportunity here because I'd interviewed a hundred and some people for my eight positions. So we actually been for the last, almost, it'll be a year, July, we've been matching people from Kenya with small businesses over uh, across the world, actually. And the moment that it all, because, you know, by the time fall hit, I was still like, oh my gosh, what am I doing now? I've started a second business. Will any of these work? What's going on? And uh, Mercy Lapario, who's my, um, she's my staffing manager in Kenya. And she said to me, never, never forget what we're doing. We are changing people's lives and careers in my country. And you are still changing lives and careers and businesses in your country. Don't lose fact, don't lose sight of the fact that you make a difference. So when it got tough, I was like, you're right. So when I joke about, you know, I'm responsible for people's payrolls. I mean, all together, I'm responsible for almost 20 people's payrolls. But it's not terrifying to me anymore. It's, it's exciting. Now I know that there's something more that keeps me going because it's not just about me anymore. It's about a lot of other people and their families. And when we do that and we get out, out of ourselves and we get away from our own ego, we can handle a lot more. That's good. That's good. Michael, I read where you are number 12 on the top 100 female entrepreneurs to watch in 2021 by EnterpriseLeague.com. How does that feel? Number 12 out of 100. I was so excited. I was like, I, I knew I was going to be one of the top 100, but to be number 12, I was like, wow. And I'll tell you, there's incredible women on that list that are doing amazing things. Um, so it was really exciting. And something else that I just found out yesterday is that my business is now a certified woman-owned business. And so that process, you know, and you don't just get that award. You have to work for it. You have to submit things. You have to, you know, you have interviews. It's very, it's stressful. 
but it's something that shows me that I'm on the right path because, you know, you're having people take really critical looks at your business, your operations and your outcomes. And to have those kind of um, accolades is really, it's really, it's very exciting. It's a little humbling, but it makes me really, really proud. I love the crowd part. I love the accolade part. Tell us a little bit about your two books. You have two books that have done extremely well. We're going to put picture a picture <laughs> of each one up there or them together with you. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about them. Yeah. T- uh, so I've written two. Well, I published two. I've actually, I've got five other business books in motion at some point in time. Plus I'm working on my first novel. Uh, but although those are written like uh, novels as well, but the first one that I wrote was called tell me more. And that was, that's all about my leadership style. So we gave the tagline of how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees. But tell me more is really about um, using great you know, communication tactics to empower your team to do better without you. And that's really important to me is how do I build my team to be so strong that they can, they can do without me if I go on vacation, you know, they can handle things. And uh, this book I'm so, so proud of. And as when I moved to my publisher that I have now and we rebranded it and re- revamped it, I'm just so excited about it. And then, and, and then I've written it in a novel mixology, form. right? And then sales mixology, which is my second one, how, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. And so my characters kind of uh, play into each other's books. And so people always ask me, are you Jane or are you Maria? Because they're my two main characters. And I always say yes, because um, every character in this book is a part of me or part of one of my experiences. Uh, There's nothing in either book that's a hundred percent true as written as they are, but they are a hundred percent written based on experiences and, uh, and, And so as I pull them together, I'm really proud to talk about leadership and sales leadership specifically to create better outcomes, whether it's for your team or it's for your customer. And when we do that, we really excel. I love it. I love it. There's a question in the chat room I wanted to get to. It was about inspiration for you. Let's see. As a coach, who do you turn to for inspiration and what's your prescription for successful work-life balance. Oh, wow. That's a three-hour question. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I actually did a video on my YouTube challenge, a channel about, uh, you know, personal, it's called personal balance. What a joke. <laughs> um, so first, so first of all, I'm not a coach. Um, and, um, and I actually made a really conscious decision not to do that because talk about balance. Um, I had a consulting firm many years ago and so that is, cult- you know, coaching and consulting. I got way too emotionally invested in my clients' businesses mm. and it wasn't good for me. Um, it wore me out. It exhausted me. It added to my stress. So as I created this business this time, because I left that to go back into corporate America, got a job offer I couldn't refuse, you know, and then I've stepped back out again. Um, so I do not coach. Um, but for my inspiration, I go to people like you, Dr. Jim. I, I, I watch and listen to people's podcasts that um, motivate me. I only pick positive things. I don't go anywhere where people are, are ranting or raving about anything because I have to keep my positive energy high in order to be successful. And that's really, really important. But the last question is, you know, how do you keep balance? You have to hold yourself accountable to hours, office hours, expectations. Um, that doesn't mean I don't work a lot because I, I put in an hour at least every Saturday or Sunday because I like to clear my email and kind of get a start on the week. Um, but I also know when it's time to shut down and, and be done and have balance. And I never start my day with anybody else before 9 a.m. Because it takes me that much time to have my coffee, my breakfast, and feel good about it. So. 
Michael, what folks may not know is you're right here in Philadelphia. Your organization, you're, you're here, you're a Pyramid Club member like me. Wow, you're not too far for them to reach out and touch you, right? Absolutely. I love for people to connect with me on LinkedIn, as long as you're not trying to pitch me right away. (laughs) (laughs) And I will be at the Pyramid Club this Thursday, the 24th in the late afternoon. And then I'm going to participate in the wine flight uh, tasting that evening. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, And the Pyramid Club has been such a boon. Talk about some balances that, you know, gives you another space outside of your work environment to go socialize, but also work. And it's such a joy to have it be back open again. Mm. I'm a major risk taker, so I'm gonna take a risk right here, Michael. I'm gonna get two think two components in at one time. The first one is called the hot seat, and the second one is called the keynote. I'm gonna put you on the hot seat. I'm gonna give you words, and I'd like for you to give the first word that comes to mind without even editing. Don't think to talk, just talk to think. First word that yeah. comes to mind. Here we go. First word is networking. Relationships. Branding. Um, standing out. (laughs) No, that's two. Hair color. Ah, purple or blue. Michael. Um, loving. Diversity. Inclusion. Sales. Relationships. Team. Mm, Power. Pandemic. Mm, Rebirth. Future. Amazing. Big. Mm, Bigger. (laughs) You're off the hot seat. Uh Oh, one more hot seat. As a speaker, you and I both speakers, we've added this segment to this show called the mini keynote, where we ask our guests to give us 30 seconds of encouragement, 30 seconds of direction, 30 seconds of call to action. Michael Sherlock, we want your mini keynote Mic check, give it to us. And ready. Tell me more. Three of the most powerful words that any of us can use because they evoke a question that demands a great answer. So next time we think about pitching, instead say, tell me more. Tell me more about you. Tell me more about your business. Tell me more about your greatest challenge. And as they speak, just listen with your follow-up questions being variations of tell me more in order to elicit as much information as you can. We spend often too much time trying to come up with a way we're going to answer whatever they said to be able to get back into pitch. But the, the grace and the beauty of asking somebody, tell me more, it really encourages them to expand what they want to say, to open up their minds, and then in turn say, tell me more about you. That's how we build relationships. We ask more questions and we use the answers to those questions to learn more about each other. So when we talk about inclusion, we talk about diversity. It's about ways we think, way we operate, our businesses, our needs, as well as our skin color, our creed color, where we're from, what we believe in. It's all about learning about each other. And in that case, we do have a rebirth. We do have the opportunity not just to be big, but to be bigger and to really, really achieve a world where, get this, we might actually care what each other says. Mic drop, mic drop again and again. Tell me more. Tell me more. Michael, thank you for bringing your brand of power, your flavor, your charisma, and your tips and tools that we can use right away. 
Thank you Thank for making you. time. I know your schedule is crazy busy. You're about to jump on another podcast in seconds. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for joining us. Tell uh-huh. me more. And for those of you, again, another show, some more tools, life-changing. Use them or lose them. We wish you the very, very best. We'll see you here next week for our last show of the month, Black Music. We got a surprise for you. Join us next week. And as we always say at the very end, guess what? You've just been Jim Packard. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.